today's session will begin with a conversation with Cameron Kamlik, channel partner at Angel Mears. That's a very interesting name. <laughs> so Cameron, welcome to the show and we look forward to getting to know you. Thank you. Cameron, what is your background? I'm, I'm looking at angel mirrors and I'm reading angels and I'm reading engineers, which is what your intent, I'm sure. Uh, is that your background? You know, my background is as an entrepreneur and as an investor. I've had a series of startups, um, which have some have done well, some have haven't, um, have sold to big tech companies, have sold to private equity. As an investor, I've, um, you know, my First investment was almost 20 years ago. I'm part of funds that raised over a billion dollars. Um, and so uh, my investing focus in our Zeta fund is really around identifying high potential entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial teams where we can uniquely create value as both uh, operators and investors. And how big is Angel Mears? Uh, how big is the fund? I have no idea. Um, and, and that's really the most honest answer any investor can tell you. I can tell you how much money we've raised. I can tell you how much we've deployed. I can tell you what we think our market -mark value portfolio is, but really um, the way that we view our fund size is on a company by company, deal by deal basis. The way that we operate, we uh, look at startups, we look at teams, we put together, um, you know, a whole- oh, But it's not, you're, not operating out of a, you're not operating out of a fund? No, we have a fund, but um, it, it's it's something where the it's not the right metric to use for us because the way that we work is we um, build teams and we um, put money into companies, but we also put people in and they work for sweat equity. And the sweat equity model um, is something where they earn some equity, we earn some equity, um, and we you know use that as a catalyst so that when we deploy capital, um, we have a higher return and lower risk, and so. Uh, so basically, it's a, a different model than a traditional, um, you know, we raise $100 million from limited partners, put it into five deals. Um, we, we have a fund, but it, it's it's not the right metric. So what tech size do you write and what stage do you start engaging in? We do everything from, um, you know, two people at a coffee shop with a napkin to, um, you know, being in a $10, $20 million Series A. Um, and then, of course, follow-on investments. But we really feel that the unique value that we add is by putting together teams and um, helping the teams be better. So oftentimes we'll look at a team and we'll have, um, you know, a brilliant MBA and a designer, and they really need a good CTO. Or we'll find a brilliant CTO who, um, you know, went to grad school with a great designer and they need to have somebody who can actually figure out how to have a revenue model. And, uh, you know, I think that there's this guy called Tolstoy and he said that all happy families are alike. Each happy family is, each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And startups are families that are a lot like that and behave almost identically. And so what we do is we try to create happy families and happy startups by, um, you know, identifying what the weaknesses are, what um, the strengths are, and help them, uh, you know, go from idea to product market fit and scale by being a happier family with a more balanced team. So, uh what do you need to see in the beginning of a team, whether it's that CTO that you want to build a business side around or a business founder that you want to build a technical team around? What do you need to see? What do you like to see for you to start making those investments? 
sure. So basically, we like to see um, people put identify a problem, like a real big problem that lots of people have or lots of enterprises have. Um, and once identified a problem, they put together a solution. Um, and oftentimes, we help people you know, who look at a problem. And so many times when entrepreneurs pitch us, they'll be like, this is a trillion dollar industry. And maybe it is. But oftentimes, it's not the trillion dollar industries that are the most exciting um, or the ones you can address first. But it is one aspect of um, that trillion dollar industry where there's a huge amount of pain for somebody to pay for it. And so we, we look at that problem, that solution, and then the team. And the team has to have the right um, skills to actually credibly be able to um, build that solution to the problem. And so, um, so kind of we look for, you know, problem, solution, team. Is a team perfect? Almost no team ever is. Um, and, you know, we're, we like uh, more Steph Curry teams than LeBron James teams. We, we want to build a team where people pass to each other, where um, things are balanced. And, uh, and so it's not relying on one rock star but, uh, or one diva, but on a whole bunch of world-class athletes who can uh, work together to create mutual value. Let's do some case studies. You pick your favorite companies that have come together in this fashion that you're talking about and tell us some stories of, you know, what did they start with? When they came to you, what did they have? What did you see in those companies that, you know, prompted you to get involved fully? So let's do maybe three of those case studies. Sure. So, um, you know, one uh, company that we're super excited about is Cycle, which is a container uh, management platform based here in Reno. And um, there we have a unbelievably gifted serial entrepreneur who's the CEO. And he's done an incredible job building a great business with incredible metrics. Can't say enough great things about him. But, um, you know, you look at it and we're helping him build out his team. And that means looking at, you know, um, how to build a better sales organization. Um, what does it mean to hire more technical people when you have a pretty small startup? And, you know, there's the both technical debt that you've already accrued, but there's also how do you um, put together a team so that you can have more features added, more stability. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it, it's something where with this particular company, they've done an incredible job, but, um, you know, we're helping them figure out how to grow their team and how to basically be happier so they can scale better and uh, help their uh, customers uh, be happier. And as they help their and customers be happier. how did they come happier, to you? How, um, did the, how did the connection with you happen? What do you mean? How did you find this company or how did this company find you? Um, you know, there is a very, um, a part of our team, part of our organizational culture is we're always traveling constantly. Um, I'm in Nevada right now, spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, you know, Oleg is, I think, in Turkey. Um, and we're constantly going all over the world. We see part of our focus as, um, we call it a mullet strategy, where um, we think that it's great to have a Silicon Valley footprint, but um, for a lot of roles, it's not necessary and maybe not even ideal to have the whole team be in one place. It's a lot less risky if everybody's geographically distributed. And um, as a result, we um, are looking at companies that you know can use that sort of Silicon Valley secret sauce um, that allows for fast growth and great exits and great valuations. But um, you know, at the same time, might be based in a place like, you know, 
you know, Chennai or Kerala or Ohio or Hawaii or Zurich. And we, or whatever, we have a lot of companies who've worked with in Eastern Europe, a lot in East Asia, and, um, and what sort of makes all these companies, uh, you know, similar is that we can help them build out their team and have a geographical footprint in Silicon Valley um, and get Silicon Valley customers and understand what it means to be a Silicon Valley startup without having a whole team there. And so, um, you know, the way that we met this particular company was at a event for entrepreneurs here in Reno. And we started talking like, oh, you know, you're doing this, you have a um, bunch of great people on your team, uh, great investors behind you. Um, you know, there are three um, people who started unicorns who are also investors with us. Um, we're bigger than most of them are because we're fun and not angels. But, uh, you know, it's something where, um, you know, we, every time we see an opportunity, it's a little bit different. But, um, but it's all about, you know, trying to figure out where we can add value. And so, so that's how they came to us. So um, you are, I think you uh, kind of started addressing one of my questions I was going to ask you later is the geographical boundary of your work or extent of your work. So, so you are operating globally, you're saying, yeah? We operate globally, um, but there always needs to be a, a sort of U.S. or Silicon Valley component. I, I live in Verde, Nevada, and which is near Reno, and split my time between here and San Francisco. Um, as things open up, I, I tend to spend about a quarter of my time in China. Um, but um, but right now, uh, for all sorts of reasons, um, that's not happening. Um, my partners, uh, you know, we actually had one of our partners based in Ukraine. Um, he's now in Spain. Um, and we have people we work with in Thailand, in, um, you know, San Jose, in Atherton. Uh, like, it's it just, it, you know, our team is globally distributed. Um, and uh, we like to call it mullet strategy, as I mentioned earlier. So you are going for a global strategy. Interesting. Um, so let's go back to maybe doing another couple of examples of companies that you have invested in that that kind of illustrate how you like to work. Sure. Um, and the other thing about us is although most of our companies tend to be enterprise software, we, we like big problems, big solutions, and great teams. And so as a result, um, we are, are also, we're not just geography agnostic, but we're also uh, vertical agnostic. Um, you know, one of um, my great success stories is actually, uh, as an investor, has been a retailer in Alaska, where they had a great problem. You know, the problem they identified was you can't buy great stuff in small towns um, mm -hmm. at a reasonable price. They figured out how to do it with a, a really unique business model, which was to go to Costco, buy stuff, and then sell it in these small towns. And then they've built a massive business with um, you know, doing hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, um, you know, basically going to Costco, putting stuff on a credit card, filling up a semi-truck, bringing it to a small town. And um, in, in there, you know, when um, first identified the opportunity, the issue um, was both um, financial, um, they needed money, but also um, they needed to build out a team. Um, they had a great legendary entrepreneur um, but they need help with um, legal stuff and accounting and marketing and like, you know, finding an accountant and, and all, all the stuff that you need to scale. And so part of the value that, um, that I brought to the table um, was in helping the company add the um, infrastructure needed to scale. And, and that's basically, you know, that deal pre-exists angel 
um, you know, it's very similar strategy that we have with all of our companies, which is, you know, we basically like, hey, I have a great problem. We great solution. You build the team, you fill out the team and things scale. Um, and if they don't scale, we figure out why. And usually it's um, and, and this gets me that usually it's because people are too afraid to spend money and people are like, hey, Cameron, I took your money. Um, I don't want to lower prices or I don't want to increase our burn a little bit. Or um, you know we're breaking even, but uh, you know the answer. And sometimes that's true, but oftentimes it's that it is better to lower prices or to have that, have that extra headcount, um, so growth can be faster and, um, and fixed costs can be overcome, which ultimately leads to more profitable businesses. So you started asking another question I was going to ask you, which is a sector question. Um, you said you invest mostly in enterprise software. Could you please elaborate a bit more about what is your enterprise software investment thesis, even though you just gave an example of a retail e-commerce kind of company. But, uh, but let's talk about your enterprise software strategy, which sounds like is your core strategy. Sure, so our, our core strategy has to do with the shape of our team. And our deepest background is in software. And mm -hmm. so, um, and you know, software, is a, a sector is quite complicated because um you know you, you have everything from platform plays to applications to um you know application enablement platforms etc et and so um you know when you look at our team we have um a whole bunch of experts who's been part of um companies of all sizes and um, you know, we'll look at a company that needs a good CMO. We'll take somebody who'd been a public company CMO who um, you know is looking for a new project for a couple months, and we'll put her in that job. Or um, we'll look at a company that you know has a, a great problem and solution, but needs a you know either to hire a CTO or it needs somebody who as an engineer can manage. And the thing about engineering is it's quite different. Um, between um, having somebody who can write amazing software versus somebody who can manage a bunch of really smart people who can write amazing software. And uh, oftentimes when we look at startups, we'll find um, you know brilliant core team with two or three developers, um, none of whom are good people managers. And we'll put them together with somebody who's also a great developer, but might be a better people manager. And um, by having better management, the team can go from three people to 30 um, you know, without hitting the, the wall that a lot of startups hit. And so, again, part of our core strategy is to build better teams. And by having better teams, um, they're more likely to be successful. And we align our interests with those of the entrepreneurs. So it's not, you don't have any sector-specific investment thesis, basically. Within enterprise software, you do all, all blends of enterprise, enterprise software. You know, we have... Um, portfolio companies in a bunch of different enterprise software verticals. Um, but we, we don't just say that we do accounting software or something like that. Like, like we, we, our focus is more on team and opportunities and solutions. And, um, and as a result, we don't have a specific vertical focus because we don't think that's where we can add unique value. You know, I mean, there's some firms where you look at them, the partners, you know, worked at Databricks and Square and um you know five other enterprise software companies and all they should do is enterprise software and that's just not us because we're not that we're focused on building great teams and what um, so you've, you've you've said 
over and over again, team is your core uh, USP. How do you, you know, how do you manage this kind of recruitment? Is it, do you work with recruiters? Do you have your own, you know, recruiting partner? What's, what's the strategy for, for team building? This is not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do, but um, part of why we're angel engineers is we're angels and engineers. But en engineers, we use that kind of loosely. I mean, it, we're really angels and product builders. Um, and and part of, as part of our team, we've built companies that have had something like $100 billion of exits. Um, and we have this deep network in Silicon Valley of, um, you know, everybody from public company CEOs to interns. Um, and we know these people personally. And because we know these people personally, we, we get to know our entrepreneurs, we figure out what are their needs and who, you know, of our friends, can we add to their team to help them be helpful, to help them be more successful, you know? And, and is it, you know, is it one specific way that we find people? No, but it, it's something where I, I've been in the industry for almost a quarter century and I'm the youngest guy in the team. Um, not the youngest, I'm one of the youngest people on the team, but, um, I've been in the industry almost 25 years. And so I just, I know all these people and, you know, like, um, for one deal, do you want somebody who worked at project X or do you want somebody who has deep experience in fusion, or do you want somebody who's been a marketer or crypto platform? Like it, it just, I know each of those three people. Um, and hundreds more. And so our, our role is really um, in being uh, boundary spanners and connectors and helping put together these great teams. Um, and it, it's not through any one strategy or working with um, a specific recruiting company. Although of course, we're open talking to recruiters um, that we do this, but that, that's, you know, every team's unique and every person's unique. And we try to help people find the right, uh, the right project that will make them happy. Okay. So my next question is, are you looking for unicorns? Are we looking for unicorns? Um, that, that's a, it goes back to our strategy, which is we like to be super early uh, to a point where we can help the company make critical hires. And of course, we want every startup that we invest in to have a billion dollar exit. But um, do we want to have the company have a billion dollar valuation on day one? No, um, they shouldn't. Um, one of the, no, you no, know, no, that's there's not my question. the whole silicon. That, that's not question. Sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking, that's, that's kind of a daft question, actually. But the question that I'm asking is, are you looking for, looking to invest in early stage companies that have the potential to become unicorns? And I'll, I'll qualify that question by, with some more color. Uh, there, there is a class of investors that are coming together, especially those um, who acknowledge the fact that there is a lot of exits that happen that are not ex unicorn exits, but there is money to be made in non-unicorn businesses as well. So that was my question is that are you fairly focused on the unicorn uh, companies or unicorn potential companies, or are you also looking at these, you know, smaller TAM, but real problems where people are willing to spend a lot of money and there are, you know, potential exits for that as well. Look, there's this myth in Silicon Valley that every company IPOs or fails. Um, the majority of startups are trade sales where, um, you know, you have a team of people put together, hit milestones and small suppliers them. Um, do we want to create a whole flock of unicorns? Of course we do. 
but um or whole herd of unicorns but um that's not our focus specifically our focus is in building great teams and uh, making money for limited partners and you know we can do that with half billion dollar 100 million dollar exit um now we, we don't want to you know we don't want to put a hundred thousand dollars and help someone open a pizza restaurant to sell for a million bucks it's not worth their time but um but no absolutely we are looking at um companies that might not potentially have a billion dollar exit but you know if you get below about a hundred million dollar exit it's really hard for us to um get over our own frictional costs um hundred million dollar potential exit to get our own frictional costs to make it worth our time and so um are we looking at companies worth that couldn't have a billion dollar exit sure but um but there does have to be a certain scale um for a model to work mm, interesting you know um I'll give you a bit of my comments based on because we see a lot of investors and their investors investment thesis, and we see a lot of entrepreneurs and their problems and their needs and so forth. So, so one thing that I really like about what you're saying is, you know, there's a tremendous bias in the industry against solo entrepreneurs. But the truth is, a vast majority of entrepreneurs actually start solo. Along the way, they build teams and, and build products and, and get further. But you know, even in entrepreneurs like the founder of ServiceNow, Fred Lovey, started as a solo entrepreneur. So, so I, I'm actually I don't believe that solo entrepreneurship doesn't work. We believe that solo entrepreneurship does work. Of course, you have to bring in all the other skills and resources around you, but you can do it step by step. So the fact that you're saying that you are open to working with solo entrepreneurs and then build the team around them to fill, you know, to fill out the gaps in their expertise is actually a very interesting angle. And I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an angle that is underserved in the industry because everybody wants fully ready, camera-ready teams to invest in. They want the product side, the technology side, everything coming together, the product market fit already done, and then they're willing to write checks. Uh, even in pre-seed, people are looking for at least two co-founders before they're willing to write checks. So, so in that sense, your angle, I think, is an interesting angle to address a category of entrepreneurs who are, who are not working as duos or trios. They're working as solo entrepreneurs, and they, they will need to fill out the rest of the team. No, absolutely. And here's the thing, look, and this is the first time we've talked, but you, know, you look at it and um, a few people are solo entrepreneurs, but also even fewer people go to Stanford. And Stanford's a great school, don't get me wrong, but there are lots of other great schools out there and um, you might not meet your founding team in undergrad or grad school, and they might not be at your church or synagogue or whatever. Um, and part of what um, makes our unique model work is we, um, we love people who want to build out teams and we build out teams for them. And, um, and we have that social network that, they, that the entrepreneurs might have or might not have. And that's great. Um, so I agree with you hundred percent. And um, you know, a lot of the greatest entrepreneurs were solo entrepreneurs. You know, you look at people like Sam Walton, um, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, people like Larry Ellison who had a Bob Miner, but was it Bob Miner? Was it Larry Ellison? Was it Steve Wozniak? Was it Steve Jobs? And how did they meet? And, it, you know, Steve Jobs was an entrepreneur from a very early age. Um, it wasn't until he worked at Atari before he met Steve Wozniak. And it might be that what um, somebody who's a gifted entrepreneur like Steve Jobs really needs 
is to partner with a firm like Engineers, where we can help them find their Steve Wozniak and Mike Markola and um, the whole, you know, both technical and human stack of tools that they need to make their uh, dreams happen. Do you do you invest in concept stage ventures? What do you mean? Like you know, let's say a solo entrepreneur came to you with a good market analysis that they have you know, figured out that there is a market opportunity, maybe they have domain knowledge and, and so forth, uh, but they haven't built anything yet. Would you invest in that? No, um, no. but it, and that's, that's because rarely um, has somebody who has that type of proposal, do, do they have, have they done enough work? Do they have enough data? You know, having somebody goes to Startup Weekend and has a Magic 8-Ball company, that, that's likely not to be uh, the right uh, the right thing that's likely to be successful. Um, you know, he, here's the thing. Um, you know, uh, early on in my career, I was part of a startup, which actually ended up working out quite well. But we um, had a business model and a great team. We pitched it to our venture capitalists invested in us. And then the more data we got, the more I realized what we we're doing was crazy and made no sense at all. And so we had this really stressful board meeting, talked to them like, hey, we need to change these 15 things about our strategy. And they all said, hey, Cameron, like, you couldn't tell that, like, why did you waste your time in the first place? You didn't, what well, this wasn't obvious to like, we invested in you, we like you, we think you're really close to it, but um, yes, what you were doing before was dumb and the changes you're proposing make a ton of sense. And, and so when you say, um, are we going to um, are we going to um, invest in somebody with a PowerPoint deck and ten slides? Um, no, and no one really should. But are we going to invest in people who we see incredible talent? Um, they have identified a great problem and solution, and we can help them build out our team. Absolutely. And, and so, um, does that answer your question? Well, it does answer my question in the sense that, but you're you're, you're saying two things, right? You're saying that you would invest in somebody who has who is great talent, who is a great talent and has great domain knowledge, if that person is investing, is, is proposing something in that domain where the problem is identified and this person shows deep understanding of the problem. So, but isn't that a concept stage investment in a very talented person? Um, it, sure, it would be. Uh, it's, for us, it's more about having a growth mindset and um, looking at somebody who has a general area they want to work in, um, but also has enough neuroplasticity to be willing to realize that whatever is on a pitch deck is going to change 15 times. And every pitch deck oh, yeah, we sure, ever see sure, but is always constantly changing. And so, um, so that, that's why if it's just a 10 slide, you know, the basic pitch deck, um, that's great, but it, it needs to be more than that, but not necessarily much more. And, you know, what we're looking for is, uh, you know, people that we can coach and help grow. And, um, and that's more than, you know, it, like for a lot of companies that we invest in, um, they might not even have a pitch deck. You know, we're like, hey, we like you. We think you're smart. And you've done a great job during your time at Oracle or whatever. Um, and, um, or you've done a great job your time at Walmart.com. Um, and we see potential in you. And here's how we can help you figure out a problem you want to solve, build out a team, and uh, find a lot more success and happiness. And ultimately, we're about creating happy companies and happy entrepreneurs, and that we think leads to happy investors. 
Um, See, and, the reason uh, I'm probing this point, uh, Cameron, is that um, there is this whole category of enterprise software entrepreneurs who are solving deep tech problems, right? Mm -hmm. And deep tech problems are not easy to cobble together a product. You need money to hire engineers and, and pull together products. So they don't operate so well as lean startups. These are kind of fat startups. And uh, at the same time, you know, in AI, especially in IoT, there are a lot of, you know, a lot of opportunities and, and there's a lot of talents. There's a lot of people who understand problems deeply. I mean, if you take a, an esoteric vertical with esoteric workflow and esoteric opportunities for applying AI to that problem, and if you find a domain expert who really deeply understands that, you still have to build a team around that person to actually get get a product out. It will probably take nine months to 18 months to get the product out. And that's the only way that person can raise money is with a concept stage and based on his or her own resume. That's the only kind of financing possible in that scenario. No, I, I totally understand those people probably not the right fit for us. Um, you know, it, it's something where, um, you know, the analogy that I would use is we're super excited about Fusion, um, but for our model to work, it will be people that use Fusion to uh, have new applications as opposed to people that uh, need to raise a $2 billion, $5 billion, $10 billion Series A to build the Fusion power plant. Um, and so, you know, for, for people who want to talk to KKR and TPG and um, no, no, I don't Goldman think Sachs, they can do that. But to, to do a Series A, people, what I'm not talking, uh, we're not talking about two billion dollars. We're talking about two million dollars. Well, and to do deep tech or a real AI deal, I think two million dollars is really just not enough money. Um, you know, maybe twenty million dollars. But it, it just, you, you know, for, for that type of People team. People don't do have... $20 million pre-seed deals, Cameron. I just don't see that happening much. Sorry? I just don't see $20 million pre-seed deals happening. I think people are doing it in, on milestone basis and, um, you know. No, precisely. And, and that's that was my point. You know, it, it's that there are different size deals that work for us and different, different size deals that work for other people and we're early stage fund. And so, um, you know, if, if you're looking at something where you have to have 20 people and feed them for 18 months, um, that's uh, one type of company. Um, if you're looking at something where you have an enterprise software product that, you know, you need two marketers um, and a couple engineers to, um, to have something that can sell the, you know, Logitech, that's a, a different type of company. And so, yeah. you know, so when, your preference when, is still uh, somewhat lean companies, is is what I'm gathering, where you can well, get some amount of validation early on with a small amount of money. Correct, because you know we see our key unique value proposition in terms of building these uh, teams out, and so if we join too late, we just there are too many people there. We can't influence the culture, and um, if we work with a company where um, you know, things have to be too heavy. It, it just, our model doesn't yeah. work. I got it. I, I think I understand what your sweet spot is. You you are okay with solo entrepreneurs, but you want to see some amount of validation. You want to see a talented anchor founder around whom team can be built, but there is validation already in the company. That's your sweet spot in enterprise software. Right. All right. 
Terrific. Well, very nice to uh, know you and uh, look forward to doing some work with you. Nice to talk to you again. You have a great day. Thank Good luck. Well. Good luck. Well. Okay, bye. Bye. -bye.